Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Endorsements, which you obviously do deal with. That um, word. Th- that word. <laughs> but like, if you look, what do you look for when like, when you're signing a new artist or considering a new artist and how, how has it changed in, in the last 10 years or so? With like social, with social media must be a big part of it now. With in terms of reach, it's not just about what gigs you're playing anymore. Whereas, or how many records you sell, yeah. which I think it used to be more about that kind of stuff, right? You, yeah, that's that's exactly it. That you know, 10, 15 years ago, maybe twenty years ago, you would want to look at it's it's about the reach or the connections that that particular artist has. So when there was no social media then actually how would you gauge it you, you what it would be album sales it would be uh you know recordings it would be concerts it would be venues it would be touring it'd be that stuff nowadays that stuff's still vitally important that I mean, that's the main aim but actually that word reach that 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 connection thing as i said way back there where everybody's got a connection with somebody you know from us and you, you know the guy from zildjian or you know the guy from tama it's the same with drummers actually and the the most important thing with if you're an artist endorsing a brand because it's it's that way around right yeah um you're you're effectively taking a part-time role in the marketing company uh, in the marketing team of the company that you're endorsing Hello and welcome to another episode of Drum for the Song podcast. I am your host, Dane Campbell. Today's guest is the very lovely Martin Potts, who is Artist Relations Manager at Korg UK. Uh, they distribute uh, Mapex, Vic Firth, Peisty, uh, lots of other non-related drum brands as well. Um, but yeah, but Martin is in charge of the, the drum department, I believe. Is that correct? Correct me if I'm wrong. How are you doing today, Martin? Just for the art. Just for the art, I'm I'm very good, thank you. Yeah, I'm um, artist relations and marketing. I'm not in charge of the drum department. Um, Sorry, but no, I look after the artist relations, and it's okay. Uh, artist relations and marketing for the three percussion brands that we distribute. So Mapex, Pisty, Vic Firth. Um, but I work for Korg UK, so Korg is the distributor for those brands. But Korg is obviously Korg. It exists as a as a very well known synth high tech brand. Um, Korg also own Vox. So the distributors around the world all distribute the Korg, Korg and Vox brands. We're unique in the UK in that we have a drum team with th- uh, three brands in it. We also distribute uh, Takamini acoustic guitars. And we just started uh, a, a pedal company called Dark State, I think it was. That was last week. But yeah, I work in the drum team at Korg. Yeah, well, apologies for getting that wrong. But no. yeah, so yeah, artist yeah. relations and marketing manager. So essentially, you're doing two pretty hefty jobs yourself yes uh the, I, i'll add the marketing side of it actually is purely for mapex okay um vic firth and Pice, vic and Pice, do they they're very um self-contained so they run their own marketing in-house um for Pice, for for switzerland in, in sorry in switzerland and california and and for vic obviously in the states um but i have the marketing for mapex in the uk to look wow. after as well as the artists wow 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 that's great and um one thing i don't even know and i've never asked but 
Are you actually a drummer yourself? I started playing drums um, when I was at school. Yeah, so I, 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 I have arthritis. So I, I was I, since I was eighteen, I was diagnosed with arthritis. Oh no! And it got progressively worse, specifically in my hands and my fingers. So as my career changed and I kind of got a little older, I say older, mid twenties, but my focus shifted. I was playing in a covers band. We were, you know, we were having fun. The band split up. I changed roles and moved my location at that point. And I kind of thought I'd probably start again at some point, but then the arthritis causes issues and the job. And then, you know, adulting comes along. Um, So no, I haven't played for a while, but I did for quite a while. So sorry to hear that. I think that's a lot of drummers' biggest nightmare is 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 something physically stopping you from playing. Um, like I, I've got a history of arthritis in my family, and I I've always had the odd little niggle with joints and and my fingers and and my wrist and my knees. But like I think I'm doing okay at the moment. But I am wondering: is that day going to come where it, it gets to the point where I can no longer play? And it's it's really scary. So I'm really sorry you had the go through that so early in life as well yeah i've lived it's been most of my life but i I could still play i can still hold a stick and stuff it's not like i I couldn't do it i think a a bigger part of at least half of the part of it was just literally it when you work with it all day five days a week it's almost like the last thing you want to do when you get home is set up a drum kit i still get a hark a harkening for you know it would be great to do a covers band again um, and then there's always an excuse, like finding time, family, children, you know, it's always, there's always this, an excuse, but yeah, I yeah, miss I, it. I do miss it. Yeah. Well, yeah. You know, like you say, it's, it's maybe never too late to kind of pick something up. Maybe something that's a little less wearing on, I don't know, something softer, maybe it might, might be easier it, on the, on yeah, the it'd, be, it'd be nice to just, you know, we have a kit in the office. Oh, not in the office, but we have a kit called set up in the, in the, in the demo room so if i'm in the office i can just go in there and, and hit that and i've i've done that more than once to be fair um <laughs> i'm glad and every now and again i hear a queen yeah i'll hear a queen song i think we used to cover that i miss it so ah. but i've been surrounded by drums and drummers for the last actually 30 years this year since i started in the drum industry or since i left school i've done this since i left school in one form or another so wow um i've been wow. uh, yeah i've i've seen a few <laughs> That's incredible. So let's, let's talk about the how your career progressed from there to now then in, in the music industry, the drum industry, because like, like I think we spoke about it before, I used to work in the retail side of it in, in a musical instrument retail shop, uh, but that's the only kind of thing I've yep. done. I've, I've dealt with uh, like some of the salesmen and a lot of people in the offices on the phone and ordering and pricing and, and and all this kind of stuff so how did you get into it all the good and, stuff yeah yeah what, what 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 did you do and how did you get to where you are now um well I, okay so i was i was at school i was playing drums at school um i always wanted to play piano actually and my dad actually when my dad was younger way back he wanted to play drums and he, his family could never afford that and we used to go to a music shop. My, my grandparents lived near Milton Keynes. So whenever we went to my grandparents, we'd go to Milton Keynes shopping center to chapels. Um, and they'd bought a keyboard. We had an organ and stuff and you know, wanted to play that. But one day my dad just, we literally just went shopping one day and he bought a drum kit and went, right, you're, you're gonna play that. 
um, so I started drum lessons and I obviously, I really quite enjoyed that. We, with the school, with the parapatetic stuff, um, actually I took it to grade eight. My drum teacher took me through to grade eight. Oh, wow. We did. Yeah. I was, I was 15, I think when I sat that, but that was what the school system taught. There wasn't anything else. That was what it was. Um, and then a level music, I had to learn something else. You can't just play a keyboard and, and drums. You have to have other study stuff that led into orchestral so my teacher at school also taught orchestral percussion so i did two years of orchestral studies um and then i left school and i was i was the youngest or one of the youngest in my year my birthday's end of august so i was, I was yeah. nearly a year behind age-wise everyone else and i didn't want to go to college i didn't know what i wanted to do but i had rhythm magazine because that's all we had back then this was like this was 1992 um so I thought, well, we'd been going to a couple of drum shops in London. So why don't I just, I just wrote to every drum shop in London. I literally wrote to everyone that existed at the time. Um, I had two replies. One was Pro Perk, who it was from Eddie at Pro Perk. I'm sure many of your listeners will, will know Eddie. And it was very nice. It just said, you know, sorry, we have nothing available. Um, and then I got a reply from a shop called Impact Percussion at the time. Um, and they had a, they had a vacancy. So I was on a tube to South London, suddenly this 18 year old kid. Um, and as it turned out, the guy running the shop had previously run the shop we used to shop at. So I kind of knew, and so that was it. I started, I got a job in a drum shop as the shop boy, I suppose. Um, yeah. And that's that's kind of where it started. I, it, that, that particular store, <clears throat> excuse me, it had a very large orchestral hire department as well. So it had a retail store upstairs, hire downstairs. And because I'd done a small amount of orchestral stuff, that was a little inroad to, well, if you're not up here, you know, putting stock in away or whatever, you can, you can, you can do that. So I spent near, near, near enough five years um, working there. And they also had a small sister company called uh, American Percussion, which back then was, Danmar, Grover, it distributed some other lines. So I kind of, if I would pack orders in their little warehouse bit. And so I kind of learned an awful lot in those four and a half years. Um, and then one day you mentioned, you'd spoken to the reps in the shop. So you used to get the reps come in. Yeah. And one day, one of the, it was one of the reps for a company called Arbiter came in and said, Hey, we, we need someone to work uh, in the office. Are you up for it? And I think he just asked all the, you know, all the kids in the shops that he went into, but I went for an interview there and that was my start in distribution. So that was, uh, 1996. Wow. And back then that was Remo, uh, Remo, Vic Firth, Sabian, they were the distributor of Fender. So it was a big old company, but again, a drum team with Vic Firth, with Sabian, with Remo. Um, and then it went into LP and Toker and stuff. And that was the start of, of that. So I did five years I think there and then I moved I relocated to Milton Keynes so I got a job with Yamaha at the time uh, again because the guy at Yamaha everybody knows one another he, he knew I was looking um so I did pretty much five years with Yamaha and then there was a brief interlude with a uh, another distributor in between but then I got a call from Duncan uh, at Cork who is the guy that runs the division <laughs> right okay um and i started there I've, uh, so but I, i've been there for this is 18 years now um and the drum team now the three of us all work together at arbiters in 96 forward so it's a great team and probably why we've all been there 
18, 19 years now. Yeah, because you... So that's a potted history. Wow, wow. Well, it, it shows how you can kind of progress from being the shop boy. I started as the shop part-time boy on a Saturday, and you know I ended up being assistant manager at the shop I worked at. And yep. then the kind of band started having a bit more of an opportunity, and then I kind of I had to make that decision of do I stay here and actually have a salary? Yeah, something or, stable. Or... Yeah, or, yep. or do I take a big risk? And go touring, and yeah, you know, luckily I'm still doing it. But you know, you never know. I've 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 always got that to fall back on. It's definitely an industry I enjoyed um, being a part of. Um, being a dr- drum nerd, I'm I'm not even as nerdy as some of the people out there, I'm sure. But like, I was into it. Um, my, I, I was the guy. We had a very small drum department. We didn't really sell kits. We just sold some cheap end electronic kits, and but like. I just used to enjoy organizing the the drum heads and and things like that and sticks and making sure we had enough stock yeah. and but they, they they needed someone like that in in the store that was prime primarily a guitar store at the time so yeah it's interesting how how we, you can progress and I've never done the, the office side of things however the one thing like my my boss they realized that i was quite accurate at the accounting side of things and the figures and the numbers right. i don't know why because I, I was never particularly good good <laughs> at math maths in the school you know i was okay skill. i was okay but he, he, he always said I, I had good attention to detail um and i, I think it, so they always used to give me all that stuff which i didn't really enjoy doing but sometimes it was just kind of nice to to get on a computer screen and and just book product book products in and, and I didn't mind doing that sometimes. I got to sit, I get to sit down doing that <laughs> rather than talk to yeah, loads of customers it, and a lot of customers, time wasters and stuff in, in the retail side of it sometimes. Tourists. That just yeah, wanna... but that that kind of, that's kind of what made the, the, I don't know that it's quite the same now. I mean, it was a, but that's what made the buzz of the shop is, you know, and there's, there are stores now that, of course, you could go in and have a cup of tea and just hang out for an hour. Um, and that was kind of certainly with impact because there was the retail store, but then there was the higher team and the mix of customers from the high end orchestral players in, in, excuse me, like the West end guys through to the kit players, through to the students. It was a real different um, type of customer, every single one that came in. And we also, there was um, terminal, terminal rehearsal studios was uh, just around, it was literally behind the shop. Wow. So there was a drum shop literally two seconds from the studio. So anybody that used the studio that needed drum stuff would would have to come into the shop. Um, so I was like, 18, and I, I said it before, it's like, it, it's it's one of the best educations for you as, as far as you think you know. It, it's different now maybe with the internet, but certainly back then is all we had was Rhythm Magazine and your drum teacher. And you think, you know, I, I went into that shop thinking, well, I know drums because, you know, I've done my grade eight and I've done this for three, four years now. And within the first week of working in that shop, you suddenly realize how many brands there are, how many drummers there are. How many, it, it's a, it sounds a strange thing to say now, maybe because of uh, the Internet and social media. But back then it was a real moment of I'm not the only, you know, I'm, I was the only there was only three or four drummers at school. So you come out of this thing where there's there's four of you and suddenly there's hundreds of them but yeah. it's a real education and it, it teaches you it teaches you so much about the product because you're like you say putting heads away yeah that's how i learned really the difference between say an ambassador and a diplomat was because yeah. me too you're, you're physically picking it up and putting it away and you can feel the difference you know, that it was a really 
it was a really good education and there's a lot of stuff that I learned back then that I still use probably now it was a real good insight and I think anybody go and get a Saturday job in a drum shop go go and hang out and and just help and do stuff it, it really does show you what's um what's around and who's there absolutely cool. yeah absolutely and and if you're lucky enough to still have a local drum shop I know you know they, they they're dying off well, very slowly sadly yeah. but there's some sad reality yeah so it's the same in the in the guitar world as well um to the shop I I talked about earlier doesn't exist anymore unfortunately um I luckily I was there yeah so it's that's sad you know and that, that that shop had been there for 30 40 years or something something silly like that but the, it it struggled to compete with the internet world and and all you know pri- all this price matching and and yeah. just 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 if some you know I can understand because I I do it myself now when I buy any product but when it's with something as personal as a guitar I, I think I would prefer to buy the one I've just played, even if it costs me 20 quid more than buy it off the yeah. internet. Cause it's not going to be the same guitar. And it's a shame because a lot of people didn't really see that. A lot of people did, but a lot of people didn't. And yeah. And, and, and that's, that, that was part of the, the demise of, of that stop, uh, shop, unfortunately. But um, yeah, I definitely recommend it. Yeah. If, if you're in, if you want to work in drums, or get into the industry in any way the best place to start would be a, a drum shop or a music store that sells it um yeah and it's, it's a way in and, and you'll you'll network and meet other people through that there's still lots of people that i used to work yeah. with and even people i've still got on my social media that i met the reps and things like that that i knew from the shop mm-hmm. i've still i still got them on there so if i ever need something or or if i ever you know i've got a query about something I've still got access to these people and that's just from yeah i started off working on a saturday once a week <laughs> and uh yeah, yeah. great it's, it's good there's so there's so many people in the industry still now that when i started back at the drum shop you know 1992 there's still people in the industry now that that were in it back then when i was yeah. there just a different company same same person different t-shirt um yeah people do tend to it is it's a great industry to work in. there are there are so many people that we bump into at trade shows or whatever that you know that there's a, a mutual respect but a friendship that's you know 10 20 years plus yeah and because and, they worked at a different brand when you work there yeah and it's, it's weird so like you said you've worked for all these different brands i know other people that have gone gone from this company to this company and they're selling i guess competitive products with one another i guess i guess there's obviously competition healthy competition but i guess you don't really get rivalries as such it's not really a rivalry kind of thing it's no. just this exists this exists there's lots of options so you can still all be friends and, and hang hang out at the, at the trade yeah. shows yeah it, it is a nice, a nice industry to work in um, exactly and that 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 is exactly what happens it's not like i'm not going to talk to the team from zildjian or i'm not going to talk for the to the team from tama just because they distribute a different product yeah they're nice people they all yeah. do the same thing so yeah that that doesn't that doesn't happen i've never seen that happen in no all the years good. i've done this now good yeah and i and i remember i physically specifically remember um when i got introduced to you the first time um i was i i i used to use a different symbol brand and the guy that i used to deal with there was like oh martin he'll look after you he's really he's really cool he's, he's great and maybe you used to work with him at some point it would have been phil woods from emd 
he, he yeah so phil when we worked at arbiters from 96 to 2000 uh, that was the remo distributor then yeah and phil was yeah phil was in the office with us then so yeah there's there's quite a few of those around yeah so connections he, like that so he kind of in, he just said oh yeah you look after you he's great and all that so it, there was no hard feelings at all he totally understood and um yeah i figured he's still doing the remo stuff so i still speak yeah. to him from time to time because that's what i use and um yeah, yeah. fine and i i know all i know from working in the drum shop <laughs> <laughs> that's how i learned about it, yeah all the and, and to be fair yeah a great deal of what i learned or what i know is it's the same thing yeah but, um, admittedly as i say you know we've got social media and we have all this stuff now but the hands-on learning being at shows hanging out with the other brands people it, that's how you that's how you learn it's yeah. your connections that you have and that's just as important as a player as well of course yeah absolutely and, be, and being a player having these connections is a great way when it comes to you know other drummers in bands and 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 i guess techs and stuff but knowing the people in the industry will help you out and uh you'll get introduced to new things that way and i guess essentially for for drummers in any any band no matter what level you're influenced by other people what they play what they recommend what you what the drum your favorite drummers play and all that and it's all it all comes down to this big industry that people some people maybe don't really think of or take for granted too much but um let's talk about some of your musical preferences then because we haven't really mentioned that like have you got any favorite oh, styles of music or oh, favorite wow. drummers ever not you know not not just ones you work with but like some you know you know what i mean um it i, I it probably I, there's been so for, for drummers there's been so many um but my yeah my earlier influences um actually greg bizanet was was one of the first ones because of that buddy rich memorial scholarship concert with the big pink pearl kit and i remember uh, we bought that vhs cassette i was still at school so you know I, but i remember that's one of the first things i remember seeing that that performance with that kit and thinking i need to know more who's he i need to find out some more about him um current right now um i'm really into todd sukerman at the moment I, oh, well. just, his videos are great and yeah i really enjoy but there's so there, there are so many you can't you can't pin it to one um but certainly growing up my musical influences were all based on what my dad told me i should listen to and equally marred by some of the stuff he shouldn't I, that he told me that i shouldn't listen to um particularly pink floyd he, he was always massively anti-pink floyd so i didn't discover dark side of the moon until i was like 19. wow thanks dad um but I, he brought me up i'm listening to things like rush and journey and there was such a different spread of music in the house the beatles and neil sadaka and the small faces um that, that just elvis elvis was a massive like he played that all the time um, nice. so ronnie tuck there's another influence definitely um and then your drum teacher you go on and you learn about more drummers and that kind of makes you want to look at you know look at someone else but there's there's been so many i've had the chance to work with i've, I've worked with greg actually several times and things like that where you have that moment of this is what i'm doing because i'm being I, you know this is my job today but that's greg isn't it i yeah. had that moment um so yeah wow. that's you know he's, was he's the, probably my my favorite what was the moment if you don't mind what, what what was that special moment when you got to work with him uh it it was a, it was a drum clinic i'm struggling to, it might have been drum fest the drum fest tours back in the day 
but we were maybe two shows in i think it was drum fest we were a couple of shows in and we were sitting in a, a, this very big, we were sit, we were on the m6 in a transit i remember and he, he was reading rhythm magazine he picked up a copy at the um whatever show we were doing and he suddenly says what he said this this is this is he read something i don't remember what it was but he read something that struck him so much that he switched the radio off in the van it's like listen to this and he read it to me and that that moment there i just had this real oh my god that's greg isn't it i'd been with him for at least a couple of days and possibly <laughs> worked with him before but there was this wonderful moment of jesus and i think i I, don't, I didn't answer him because I had that moment. And he was like, are you okay? And I said, I'm going to have to tell you this story now. And I just said, look, reality is this. I got that. That was my first, you know, VHS cassette. You, the Pearl Kit. The, and he kind of teared up a little bit. And he was like, oh, you're, so your dad bought you that? Your dad, so your dad's the reason? Went, yeah, he went, is your dad still alive? Yeah, he's still alive. He went, can you ring him? Well, yeah. He went, right, ring him. Ring him now. Whoa. So, I, like, okay. So I got my phone and I dialed my parents' house and my dad answered the phone and I went, um, got someone to talk to you and just gave him the phone. And so they had this conversation for a couple of minutes. Uh, and I swear about eight years later, we did the London drum show. Greg Bizonette performed on the main stage. My dad came to the show and that was the moment where I got into, I was like, Greg, dad, come here, meet. And then up until that point, I think my dad didn't believe that that was Greg Bizonette. He just thought it was someone winding him up so that's yeah that's probably one of my best favorite moments of of all the things <laughs> there's there's a lot of them but that was that was definitely a big one wow that, so that's, it was a big influence yeah that's really nice yeah yeah and um yeah i guess we're working with people you've been a fan of um i guess i i can understand what that's like like sometimes i've and i've shared the stage with someone i'm a big fan of it's, it's a similar yep. thing um don't always get the social interactions as much depends sometimes you do sometimes you don't these big festivals everyone's sometimes the yeah, big bands are very separated moving. yeah they're all very separated and, and stuff like that and, but yeah you know what i mean and um i've got to yeah. meet lots of cool people through my dad and stuff which is really really nice but yeah that's that sounds amazing yeah. and, and it's great that you could involve your, your dad in it as well who was a fan um yeah great I've, I've, I've dragged him in a couple of times uh <laughs> to somewhere just like you know if it, if it was a fairly local event he would come because he played so when i was having lessons he decided he was going to have lessons as well ah. so he learned for about four years um and that was kind of it he had some fun and and, and that was it but so I, back then when he was a little a little bit more healthy i'd drag him out to a drum event every now and again and just shove him in front of somebody and just go to sit there so yeah yeah, yeah great nice. great well, who, who was your drum teacher out of interest anyone you want to big up uh, well, it, it was Clive Bunker from Jethro Tull. That oh. was my, and and again, I was, uh, so we bought, my dad had bought that drum kit and he decided he wanted to have drum lessons and he found an ad in the paper. It was literally a, a, a little classified in the back of our local paper for a drum teacher in um, Leighton Buzzard, so kind of near Milton Keynes. And so he went and started having lessons with this drum teacher and it was Clive Bunker. So he <laughs> had, yeah figure he just put an ad in the back of the paper right so clive from jethro Tull. um and i had i had lessons with him for a couple of years um i i i'm guilty of probably not appreciating just how much of an influence that guy was back in you know in his career until after i'd finished having lessons with him i knew what he'd done i was just i was an 18 year old and i just 
I was listening to Journey and, and Rush and stuff. I didn't want to listen to Jethro Tull. So, so I had lessons with Clive for for, for two years. Um, and of course, wow. he's he's been with Peisty since nineteen. So that's that's that was my first experience of Peisty. Actually, was that you know walking into his studio and seeing a it was a set of signatures um, and thinking, why don't my symbols sound like that? <laughs> I was, you know, so yeah, so he was he was my teacher for for a couple of years. Wow. What do you, what was your first drum kit then and, and cymbal? What 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 was the first stuff that you bought or what you were given? Uh, we I, I I like probably most drummers. I had a, a, a sorry to the, my current team. I had a secondhand Premier APK kit. It was brown, um, and we had that for a couple of years. Then he bought the uh, Pearl kit. He bought an export kit from from the shop in Milton Keynes. So that was a black course it was it was a black five piece uh, and then my first personal kit i was probably 16 and they bought a pearl export they bought a, a, a smoky chrome pearl export kit with uh peisty i think they were 100 series they were some just the cheaper but that was it my first my first proper new kit had ah, peisties on it amazing so it was a bit of a That's full the, circle moment yeah that is really cool and um the, the Peisty 100s, I think that's, I bought one of those secondhand a few months ago. It doesn't sound great. Yeah, but it, do you it, know, it, it, no, I mean, the, you know, it's, it's a big, they, I they did, did what they did. Yeah, they did what they did. I think it's just, I'm so, like, I'm so used to playing the current kind of high-end professional stuff. It's just, it stands out a bit too much as being. <laughs> it's a different tone. Yeah. yeah it's got, it's got character. It's just, it doesn't work for what I do. But yeah, it was, some guy was selling yeah. it on some, facebook group and i was like that seems awfully well it looked it was a nice shiny symbol it had pisces on it and he said it was from the 80s or something and i was like oh, yeah that'd be about right yeah. I'll, I'll go for that for i don't know 45 quid or something posted why not i might be able to use it <laughs> yeah um, exactly it's another sound on the kit that's what it's about actually exactly and you can never you can never finish experimenting especially with the symbols the endless options available these days especially people have you know all these stackers and all that these things that are like i've been experimenting with i, I bought off you recently um they're really fun and and it's really cool to find yeah. new things uh to do with them and you know people can experiment with their own making their own stackers with splashes and crashes yeah. or bro broken symbols and you know it's plenty it's, of people do yeah. and that's what's so great about the 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 drums really there's no right or wrong there's no in tune or out of tune there's no this yeah. you have to set your kit up this way and that's what I think that's why a lot of us drummers lo love playing the drums because this you can you can my my setup's pretty boring I, I guess compared to some people um but but it's it's my it's what I've eventually it's found that works up. for me yeah you know from years yeah. of playing and I've and I, it's a it's a combination of practicality with what I what I'm actually going to use uh, sometimes I think about oh, shall I add one more tom and then I'm like nah and then the reality is yeah you've got a tour with it yeah, yeah. and it's only so and, much and that's, you know, yeah storage and, and time setting it up packing it away every night um yeah, yeah. and I, I guess and i think i came i came from the era where you know dave Grohl, he just had two toms and and that it was cooler to have a smaller kit than a bigger kit whereas i guess the generation above me the all the guys in the 70s and 80s had like 10 toms and I I, I kind of, of them. skipped they had all that. The, yeah, they had all the drums. Every yeah, every yeah. every every option was was on the kit. And even though yeah, I you know even though going to see my dad's band where you know uh, like Mickey D 
you should have three racks and two floors. And I thought that was a lot. And that's nothing really compared to yeah. some of those some of those bands um and drummers from yeah from that era. <laughs> like I, I'd love to play just open the catalogue and yeah. all of them. One, 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 yeah, one of, yeah, it's great. Um, you know, one if you've got, you got the and it's the cost as well. Um these high-end drums these days, they you know, especially the ones I play, they're not they're not cheap. So like I yeah. I was debating about getting another rack tom, and I'm like, I think they said it was like 400 pounds or something i'm like ah, oh, do i is that do i need a rack tom that much i don't know do i, do I <laughs> am i gonna hit it that much yeah and yeah um, you know you need you need a you need a riser big enough to put it on and you need a another something you need a tech to help you set it up yeah, yeah when i'm lucky to get lucky enough to have a tech so i don't always get one i, I i'm at that stage in my career where sometimes i do sometimes i don't and he's normally my well it's my he's my friend from school he's, it's great that we we made friends when we were 12 maybe um and now he's working in the kind of tech backline industry and the staging crew industry but he works for us so we we give him some work and he's like one of my best mates but he also does the guitar side of things so he, he does guitar and my drums yeah he's not a drummer yeah. but he knows how to pack them away and set them up for me when it comes to like changing heads and tuning i i kind of do that but that is because i'm i i like doing that and i'm a bit ocd so you still should i think yeah i think yeah. We, you know even with even with a you know even with a tech will do it for you i think it's important to stay in touch with that side of your kit yeah because it's your sound right so yeah i want i, I want to i want it to sound the way i want it to sound and yeah maybe someday someone might go oh well you could do this and i'm like oh that sounds nice but until that happens i i, I like the way yeah. my drums sound and you're comfortable yeah and it's just the, the feel of them as well, you know. If you if you tune something up higher, it feels different. So, and I'm used to yeah, the way the way it is. And you know, anyone listening to this, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Find find what you like. Yeah. Don't don't be afraid to experiment, but don't just do things that other people do because they think it's better or they yeah. say it's better. Just just find something that works for you. I think that's good advice. And, <laughs> and try them be try them before the gig. Don't suddenly in the middle you know, just before the gig think, oh, I might just tweak that and then suddenly yeah don't do that yeah try not to do that yeah because sound <laughs> engineers don't like that they don't like things don't changing like no. mid 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 uh mid set it's not great sometimes you have to when the emergencies happen and and you know but don't just tune things in the, in between songs unless that you know they've gone out of tune like yeah. certain or some of the vintage drums they don't stay in tune that well these days compared to the modern ones which have all got the fancy tune safe features and stuff that. like that it's good yeah but um let's let's talk a little bit about um because i don't know a hell of a lot about mapex uh vic firth i know quite a lot about because i used to sell them and obviously i use peisty myself so what yep. what are the latest products for those brands that you think people need to know about or anything particular that you know th that is unique about them okay well certainly with mapex we we've just launched it, the the more recent launches have actually been into the middle the lower middle end so we've just relaunched the mars series um which prior to this point was a 100 percent birch shell it still is a 100 percent birch shell but we've introduced a 100 percent maple option into that so mars birch and mars maple wow um they were launched on the 24th like literally just about a month ago now so that's a core um certainly a christmas product for us because it's it's in the right price point it's sitting beneath the armory um it's a very well focused kit for for the price point that it's at 
on the on the upper ends, um, the two satin kits are the two high end kits that we we launched those a couple of years or eighteen months ago now. Um, but the satin and the satin evolution. So the satin kit's been a mainstay kit for Mapex for a long time. It goes right back to the start, pretty much, of the company. Yeah. Um, it's it's remained in its in the same shell construction for for quite a long time. This the maple walnut shell's been there a long time. So they've upgraded that, or we recently upgraded that. So there's the regular current new satin kit, which is kind of as the satin was, but then there's the evolution of it. So the satin evolution kit, they've taken some features from the design lab range, pulled that into satin. Um, things like chamber specific shell construction. So the smaller toms are thinner the, and, and you know, the, the, the shell depths graduate with the with the kit. So, you know, it's a, it's, it's a kind of a, a more modern take on that kit. Um, so with Mapex, certainly, yeah, that's it. More recently as well, the Venus kit launched, which is the beginner kit, which was an all-in-one. Everything in the box, got the hardware stick, stall, couple of symbols. Um, nice. So that's kind of it's kind of the main push uh, for us. With Peisty, um, the launch this year was actually they introduced a load more flat rides back into the range, and that's pretty much what they did this year. Obviously, the COVID, the last couple of years have, have hampered all kinds of stuff from R&D to, to production. So to get the flat rides out and done was a, was a big deal. Um, of course, with Peisty, they still have their synonymous ranges like the 2002s and the signatures, the 602s, the modern essentials, the masters stuff. So th th there's a lot to find um, in Peisty for sure. There's a, there's a lot to play with, but certainly the more common at the moment with the artists, the 602 modern essentials have been right up there with the with the most popular and so of the masters range that the you know the turkish bronze the darker right. thinner kind of sounds so yeah that's... but 2002 of course is still still there doing its thing um, yeah still work with a lot of guys and then with vic um they their product launches were right back at the start of the year and actually into september of the year before but they relaunched the root range so they have the new root x sticks um the nate smith signature stick the big or the bigger push one was the mike johnston um any one stick so he yeah. launched his own kind of general stick um that's been a huge seller for us um and of course you know the regular 5a 7a 2b all day long um we shift some fairly big numbers of those sticks it's quite funny to see like you say about numbers like I can look at a sales report and I can see we sold, you know, that many pairs of five A's. That's a number on a spreadsheet. But I was in the warehouse yesterday and we just have another Vic delivery in. So there was another, I think it was 10 pallets of stock. Like six. There's a lot of sticks when you think like a master carton. Yeah. It's 144 pairs. It's a huge amount. But when you see the stock sitting on the shelf and then you see that disappearing, there's one bay with just five A's in it, for example. It's, it's a physical indicator of like where do all those you know, where do all those sticks go it's a huge quantity and that's just you know just one model so yeah with vic just in the uk as well right yeah. and that's just the uk yeah yeah really? that's yeah that's imagine yeah. how imagine <laughs> how lot of, yeah imagine like how many they go through in the states and stuff is with the population there oh the, it's, yeah incredible i, I, I I wouldn't want to guess how many <laughs> pairs a month they make. Actually, I wonder how many pairs they make a month. Um, wow. So yeah, that's a little pricey of, of what's that. Certainly from the marketing point of view with Mapex, it's the focus is on the um, the new Mars stuff and the Saturn stuff and the Venus stuff. So yeah, that sounds it's good. a lot yeah. of marketing to put in. 
So the, the, there was the Mars kits you mentioned. What in obviously we're talking UK prices. What's like an RRP on something like that? An all birch or an all maple kit? Six sixty sixty nine or six nine nine, depending wow. on the spec. So that's so, obviously rec, that's full recommended retail, including VAT. So you know, we would need to speak to a dealer, but that's you know, hundred percent birch shell or hundred percent maple shell. It brings in some of the tricker features. So the suspension systems, the new Sonoclear suspension system, it has the Sonoclear bearing edge on it. So it has the rounded edge. Um, ah, wow. It's got some of the things that you might, uh, uh, like insulated bass drum claws, things like that, matching wood snare drum, um, and a, a range of different shell sizes. So that's a, it's a big focus for us right now. I bet. And I wow, forgot that... the retail. That's brilliant. No, no, no that's, that's, that's fine. Um, I, I, that's one thing I've always known about Mapex. I've, I have played the odd kit at a festival sometimes when there's a higher kit, and it's, I've always felt seems great. I think a satin I played earlier this year that was really good. Um, yeah, and but like I know the the price point has always been one of the compared to some of the other kind of premium brands. Even though I consider yeah. Apex to be a premium brand, they what you get for your money is amazing. Like I I'd probably pay yeah triple ugh, quadruple that for a, a, like what I play a German Sona kit, probably more than that. Yeah. And so that's amazing for what you can get. Wow. It would, yeah, it was certainly with the German Sona stuff. Um, the company that owned Mapex actually owns Sona as well. It's the same, it's the same parent company. So there right. is a line of Sona stuff that gets made in the same factory. Um, so the AQ, the, the AQ1 and the AQ2 then, that, that kind of stuff, essentially. That's, it's the same factory yeah. as the Mapex. Same factory. Yeah, same factory. not same components, but same. No. Same factory and owned by the same company. Oh, interesting. Um, so they, it's it's a company called KHS Musical Instruments in Taiwan. Is the head offices in Taipei. So they have Mapex, they have so um, they have Hercules Stats, they have Walden guitars, Jupiter Brass, uh as a flute line. Is a as a company, they're they're quite a big well-established um musical instrument company just mapex is one of the brands that they own wow um seventh floor on the building is all it's all mapex so wow have you been there yourself i have yes i'm lucky i've not been to the factory factories in china but i've been to the head office in taiwan um it's it's a unique experience they're such lovely people i mean that you know the whole of taiwan was what we saw of it was incredible but they're such there's such a nice team to work with and we do work it's we work quite closely with the senior team at the company in taiwan um we have regular regular meetings with the sales team or the marketing guy and then there's a there's an r d team meeting that we have every three or four months maybe where they'll get um it's the team so us the, the uk team the german team the americans the chinese the taiwanese and it's just one big zoom call and they will either be presenting so they work you know i guess a lot of companies do the same but they work to a three-year plan for mapex so we have a calendar of you know we know what they're working on for launch next year and 24 and 25 um and we're lucky and we, we you know there is an element of the r d process that we're involved with as the same with the german team the team and the, the americans and the it's quite a nice um pot of people to get together that sounds um, fun. Yeah. But yeah, yeah it, it's it's a great trip. It's always a whirlwind trip. You're there for or maybe five days and 
one of those days is travel and the rest of it is like starts at nine finishes at six it's full on. on but it's it's good it's really good to be able to do and to see what goes on behind the brand and they've got some incredible parts of that country we literally we didn't go out of taipei we just with the the schedule was quite um quite tight we 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 did some touristy things we went to, we went to the, the 101 tower and 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 we went to some uh, shop, a really nice shopping center and they took you know they, that was beautiful but actually um there's some incredible beaches and stuff and some really different uh there's mountainous areas there's there's obviously wooded areas it's a it's a it's a beautiful country what i've seen of it well yeah <laughs> i'd I, like I, to see more of it yeah well hopefully you'll continue to go and see a little bit different every time a little bit more of the country um yeah, I'll, I'll add it to the list. <laughs> yeah, I'll put a stop to that at the moment. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, I think. Yeah, no, I think of, you should. A lot of that part of the world is kind of well. If it's not off limits, it's just a lot more strict with the regulations and stuff like that. Um, and 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 that's what I've noticed going yeah. to places. Just coming back from where I've been, you know, there's a lot more mask wearing going on. I think they've only really just um, kind of eased off on that, whereas we we've eased off on it loads well it was over a year ago that i think in england people stopped wearing them wales was a little bit later but anyway i don't want to talk about that <laughs> the c words <laughs> let's not talk about that um, yeah, no exactly but no. yeah yeah but yeah and so so when you when you're in the, in the office or at home i know you work from home sometimes what what does an average day of work consist of because i i know you can be very very busy and yeah it can be what, like what? What would be an average day, or do you not get average days because they're all so different? I no, no. They, I mean, no, not really. There's not really an average day. Um, there's a lot of stuff to cover with with quite a small team. I think um, so. We're all kind of kept fairly hectic. I'm going to have contact through primarily email. It's a lot of email. I get a lot, an awful lot of email um, with the marketing side of things. So at some point in my day, I have to schedule in the social media stuff. Um, we try and I try and so I, I, I have the Mapex Facebook, uh, Instagram and Twitter page to look after. So the Facebook page is 118,000 followers now. Wow. So it's quite an active page. And actually, it sounds weird, but the, the kind of the almost the not the stress of keeping up with that, but the, the requirement to like, you see that responsive badge disappear because you didn't answer a message in 15 minutes and it you kind of think oh because i have to do this um but so at some point in a general day i'm gonna have to set aside probably an hour each day to go through the social messages be it the, you know, the instagram inbox or the facebook inbox or even just acknowledging people tag us and share, you know, share stuff and, and just you know being able to acknowledge that mm. that takes up a you know takes up an hour of the day probably there's going to be a lot of email back and forth um sorry people <laughs> no you're right sorry to answer yeah, that know, people <laughs> like yourself that they just you know they just want to order things uh, no yeah. so yeah there's there's a lot of artist contact directly um the bigger you know there's there's bigger project stuff that we're working through so even actually down to the the drum show for next year i mean it's not until the end of october next year but at least once a week, something will pop up now where we have to think about that or we have to talk about that because it's it's drum show related. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it, sometimes I'm going to go into the office. I have a visitor coming in. I had one, I had a visitor in last week. I have another one this week just coming to test stuff. 
Um, but actually, yesterday morning, I spent a couple of hours in a warehouse just sorting out some marketing stuff, just moving some stuff around and <laughs> kind yeah. of tidying up on some things. Um, but generally, yeah, it's, it's mostly focused around contact via via email, um, the social media posting, the marketing requirement, um, and anything else that comes along. It's it's wide and varied, to be yeah. fair. Yeah, I can I can. I can empathize with your social media stuff having to do that with, with bands since I well since I yeah since the MySpace days I guess I was promoting bands on on MySpace and stuff and then it was you know it moved into Facebook and stuff but managing multiple bands and I've always done that and now I got the podcast it's like it is it's very it's mm-hmm. very time consuming especially when you want to yeah. put one post across different platforms and and do all the tags correctly and all that. Um, I know there's certain things that you can do cross posting with now, but it never yeah. work. It never works that as well as it should, does it? And um, and you want, especially when you're tagging artists and brands and stuff, you no, want to do correctly. I, yeah, sometimes the tag like we use, depending on what we're uploading, we use. Um, there's a there's a, a package called Loomly, which there's lots of them that will just link all your socials together, and you can just upload from one platform. Uh, or from one place but that will only work for certainly with video content it only go up to the video you know there's a restriction on on how much you can upload from that platform so it's it's actually and, and then who do you ask really like if you, you've got a post in front of you i've got a picture from craig just sent me craig Landell just sent me some pictures so i have to schedule that tomorrow so then okay we have to work the wording out that's yeah. easy enough but then do you want the same wording for all three platforms does that matter does it need to be different and that just trying to, I don't know, mix like, things up a little bit. And like, and for example, like Twitter, obviously you're limited with characters. So, yeah. So like you can't use the same wording, really. You have to kind of no. dumb it down a little bit. And is it up to you to come up with all that wording or to the, to the, the people like, at, is this someone else at Mapex that say, this is, I want you to say this about this, or is it kind of down to you to come up with that? Because that's quite a lot of pressure as well yeah 95 percent of it is down to me there, there's there's a global content calendar which all the distributors so um mapex head office run that so there's a post every week they do every month it's, it's going to be every monday and maybe on a wednesday but basically there's a calendar so we have to look at that weekly okay if i click on that now there's a video due to go live on monday so in that case everything's on the screen there's the text that just you're posting it like that oh. um but with everything else no that generally falls to me if it's a specific we've done a lot of product focus posts for the last eight months now where we'll pick a range like armory and once a week we'll just put a post in product focus armory this color that was a you know, between the two of us myself and my boss we worked out what the wording for that was going to be but everything else is down to me i just wow. kind of you know <laughs> yeah yeah and you just do it just reminded me actually when because when i was at the music shop i i was I, it wasn't just me, but it was mainly me that did the, the kind of online stuff. And I guess Instagram was fairly new then. And like I was in charge of the Instagram yeah. page and then they owned a guitar company. So I had all that. But what, what I didn't like about it, which I'm, I'm not sure if you can hopefully understand where I'm coming from. When I was not at work, so in the evenings and I was sitting at home, I was getting things know, come, yeah. come through to my phone from like work related stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't really like this. But there's not, but like I, it was so, I needed it on my phone to kind of 
easily yeah, upload it. Yeah, to keep up with it. But also, it's normally, you know, you want to take a photo of something in the shop or whatever. The easiest way is to do it on your phone, directly upload it rather than... Yeah, it is, use, yeah. No, you're um, right. But I really, that really, I did get, get a lot of anxiety about that stuff because I'm like, I just want to be home chilling. Yeah. And I'm getting work stuff through. And, yeah, well, and, no. I did. Yeah. And it's the, the point is actually they make it, the platforms make it easier. Maybe not so much with Facebook, but certainly with Instagram. Um, my real uh, stressor at the moment, oh, not stressor, that's a silly, but the real pain in the ass at the moment actually is I've got some video content to schedule, um, but the file size is is beyond the restriction of what our platform so i tried to do it I, I, I just do it from my laptop then it was a 700 meg video file and it won't do it it just will not do it so now actually to do that one video so it'll go to facebook and youtube like that that's fine but for the instagram post i've actually got to put it into a video editor compress it to the right whatever they want 1920 by i forget what it is yeah yeah and then shrink the file size so it's smaller and then i have to save it to dropbox on my laptop and then open Dropbox on my phone and download it onto my phone and upload it from there. There must be an easier way. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I was thinking that yesterday. So I, but you know, it's tough, isn't it? Yeah, no, it is. And, and, and I, it's I, not I'm hard sure. work. No, it, and we, it, it's, it's we, just we have a great of... marketing team at Korg. Um, I, personally, I look after the drum stuff, but yeah, they, they, their stuff's good. It always it always looks great. Um, the imagery is always good, and I think I'm, I'm, I probably follow Korg myself. And I've actually got a Korg piano in my living room, so which I got from you guys back in the day. There Korg you go. Good. But um, yeah, it, it all works. But yeah, the social media man, and just like from a pod, po- you're back, genius. There's no oh. one else in the house. I, no, I was going to say. So yeah, we we have a we have a great marketing team at Korg. I I don't want it to sound like I'm you know completely isolated and on my own because that's really not the case. I run that social page um, at any given point. My boss, like yesterday, literally yesterday, we had a what was going to be a one-hour marketing meeting that turned into a three-and-a-half-hour because we ended up, actually, we should do some social stuff about this, so let's sit and talk about, and, and you know, we, between us, we mapped that out. And again, imagery, when you say, a lot of the imagery actually is supplied by the brand. That, so that's one thing that, you know, that they're very good when they launch a new product. They will generally, before that product launches, we will have all of the social banners and assets ready. We'll have all the photography given to us. That's good. Um, but if not at Korg, we have we have a photography, you know, we have a photography room. Um, uh-huh. But we do. We have a great team of people there who we can call on to film. We've done quite a few um, video shoots in house at Korg, or we've gone out and done them externally. So we do produce our own content quite a lot. Apologies for interrupting this episode of Drum for the Song. I really hope you're enjoying it so far. I just wanted to take a few moments to tell you about my Patreon page. This is a place where you can support the podcast in exchange for some bonus content. You can head over to patreon.com forward slash drum for the song. There are three tiers available at the moment. One is £3 a month, one is £5 a month and the other one is £10 a month. Each tier grants you access to exclusive benefits, which include bonus episodes, early access to the main episodes, private Facebook group membership, merch discounts, discount on Motorhead beer, as well as a monthly competition to win Motorhead beer, 
access to Skype chats with me, asking my guests questions, occasional free gifts like drumsticks, free tickets to Phil Campbell and the Bastard Sons shows, and your name in the episode description. If you regularly enjoy the podcast and think you would enjoy those benefits too, please consider signing up. If you didn't already know, I do everything for this podcast all by myself. So I do all the contacting, all the research, all the interviews, all the audio editing, all the video editing, all the artwork, all the uploading. I write all the descriptions. I build the website. Everything is just me. So essentially, the money from the subscriptions helps me keep a bit of time free during my weeks so I can continue making the podcast for you guys. So again, that's patreon.com forward slash drum for the song. Check it out and enjoy the rest of the episode. Drum for the song podcast. The other thing you, you briefly mentioned earlier, the, the UK drum show. It's obviously something a lot of our us drummers will try and attend every year uh, to see the new gear, to watch some performances. I don't think people realize how much goes in, on involved in organizing such an event so like how 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 do you even do that especially with across three different brands yes yeah that actually primarily that will come down to two of us my boss or the divisional manager and myself um i there are so yeah it's probably a little bit different each year that we do it but the reality yeah the reality is we obviously will book a stand space so our stand is going to be that big. So we know, I think last year we were 24 meters by six. I think it was the big old stand, but so you've got a box now you've got that. That's what, you know, you've got to work with. And we know actually Vic first going to be the smallest footprint because obviously the product's way smaller. So we've got a preset kind of counter that we use for Vic first and, and that, that almost takes care of itself. Um, so we would then actually start thinking about Mapex. We start with Mapex because obviously the footprint of the product is is a lot bigger. So you're going to take a effectively a kit is an eight by eight riser, no matter which way you put it. So we've got to take what what ranges do we have to take? Um, that gives us effectively gives us a kit count of okay, well we need to take eight kits. So those eight kits are going to fit where on the stand. So we will literally. We've done it in Excel before where we're actually just drawn squares because sometimes that's the easiest way to do it. Just you've got to work out where it's going to go. It, and and it, it often is as basic as that. We know we have to take that many kits. We know we've got that many risers. So if we put the risers there, there, there and there, Vic can go there and Peisty can go on the kits yeah. and we build it up like that. It's literally a, it, it's, it's like a, it's like a little board game. Um, yeah. We have, we have at one point we we actually marked it out in the car park as as Heath Robinson as that is going to sound, but we're, with with a big stand like that with like a 26, 24 meter back wall. Wow, that's a big footprint. Um, yeah. and you can look at it on a piece of paper as much as you like, but reality is how far is that from that? So we did one year. We actually went out into the car park and we put, um, I think we used boom stands, but we actually marked out right. Well, let's measure that. So that's that's what we're working with. That's what we've got to look at. So let's. Um, and we we literally build it around that. We know which products we have to take. We know how big our stand's going to be. So it's a it's a game of fitting 
the product that you're going to take onto the space that you've got. Um, it's always a challenge and it takes, it, do, it takes a long time, but it's the same for everybody, I guess, you know, everybody that's got a bigger stand, yeah. you've got to put product on it um, and you've got to work out how you're going to display it. And then what graphics are you going to need? Uh, even down to the, you know, how many cables, how many plug points on the stand, how many power points do we need? Where do we want the lights to go? It takes, it takes a long time to do that stuff. So we, we will generally structure it over a course of months and traditionally with the show being when it's end of October. So realistically, we need to be in really somewhere around June, like properly getting on the planning case with that um, wow. because summer holidays will happen. And then suddenly before you know it, it's August and then it's September and then the show's in six weeks and you've not got your graphics done. So <laughs> That's crazy. It's, it's good fun. It's, it's a hell of a task. Um, yeah to do but it's it's really rewarding at the end when you spent kind of the best part of four months working with the you know design design team at Korg thinking okay well we need a we need a peisty graphic what do you want to put on the graphic now we have to source the imagery and we do that and then he'll lay it out and then you see it on a screen and then six weeks later you're unboxing it at the show and putting it together thinking well that's that was worth the while so it's fun there's so much stuff to take into account that I guess yeah, unless totally. you've done it, you're not, you know, you're not going to think of like staffing and hotels and cars, transport, all the shipping of the gear, the logistics of that, the picking of the orders in the warehouse, the the artist coming in, the, you know, there's a lot to there's a lot to do there. Yeah, I, I, and I I understand how much it would take, how much work it would take. I guess it reminds me a little bit about like poor managing, which which yeah. my, like my band we have we kind of sometimes tour manage ourselves sometimes so we, we we're very hands-on with everything we do so i can imagine yeah a crazy amount of stuff I, I assume there's like a budget you've got to stick within as well to keep within yeah um, so someone's yeah, and decided that yeah we when we again we have to loosely we we run our financial year is um april to to april so we have to we've already all the exhibitors for next year have already put their deposit in but so that kind of had to cross to the next financial year because we paid the budget now hmm. um but but the first port is the stand cost because before you put anything on the stand you've got the cost of the stand yeah so that's where your budget starts actually is there wow and then it's almost kind of we will then set ourselves a target of you know that's we can't we can't spend more than that but then you start factoring in graphics or brochures or backdrops or you know the artist the artist fee the flights the cars the transport you know that it's it's a it's a big game yeah and then, it's, it's a fun game it's yeah i'm sure it's fun and when you're there like you said you get to meet some of your, your old friends and some of the artists to get to perform and i'm sure lots of people just show up as well that you you know um yeah. but it must be yeah. it must be quite a big big risk risk for any company knowing they've got to spend that much money in the hope that it obviously benefits their products down the line in the next, I guess, just for the next 12 months of awareness of that product, yep. which will hopefully turn into sales. So yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's amazing. It seems to go down really well every year, but I, I don't know how much people sell at these things or, but it's not direct sales either really, is it? Sometimes it is maybe. No. I, um, yeah. And again, no, you don't, most of the distributors won't sell, directly to an end user because that's you have your stores in place to do that you would yeah. be crossing a line of 
uh, of distribution agreement. But actually, yeah, what will happen is the, the brand will work with a retailer. So actually, if we take last year as the example, we used Drummers and not that far down the road from yeah. yourself, I believe. Yeah. Um, but so Drummers and ran the retail side of it. We put the stand in and put all the stock in and the display and, and, and stuff like that. So it's you're buying from Drummers and you're not actually buying directly from from Cork for that. Yeah. And all the other, you know, all the other distributors will work the same way. But they, they, um, they, they were quite unique because they actually had a stand there because not it's not many um, drum stores will have a stand at these shows, really, is it? Not many. So they, they were one of the only ones. I think. Not as an individual. No, um, there are. Sound Attack have done that before. There's been a couple of retailers do that, but not yeah, nine times out of ten. So Dan and the team at Drummers and basically put their retail counter onto our stand effectively. Ah. So the sales are they deal with that side of it. Um, and some of the logistics as well, and certainly staff. I mean, that's the other thing. It, it, you know, it's generally the two of us that will make those basic decisions as to how the stand gets done. Yeah. But actually for that show, we had, I think there was a team of 10 to build that stand. And oh. it took it took all day on that on that build day to get everything in and unpacked and you know, set up and stuff. So it's, it's not, you know, there's two of us in the planning stage, but after that planning stage is finished, it's a much bigger team of people. I don't want you to think that, it's no. all me because it's, it's definitely not no, <laughs> by no. a long way. I'd never do that. Yeah. No. So yeah, there was, there was, you know, drummers and staff and our staff. Um, it's a, it's a big undertaking. It's good fun. We've done it oh, for, for, for years. Yeah, I can't yeah. remember how many years we've been doing those shows now. It was the, obviously the London drum show was the, was the, the show before that. And then that became the UK drum show, which was in Manchester for three years. And then last year they moved it to Liverpool. Um, and it's Liverpool again this year. So cool. Well, yeah. So anyone, yeah. anyone that's in the UK, if you've never been, I think you will certainly enjoy it. If you obviously if you're into drums, you must have some interest if you're listening to this. But yeah, it's a lot of work that goes yeah, in. Absolutely. And you get to you get to see a nice wide range of just product, and and it's really it's yeah. really cool. That you get to talk to the people that are involved in in some of the the creative side of the products as well as as as. Yeah. as well as seeing some great shows and uh, clinic performances by some people. Um, I'd love to go. It's yeah. always it's always an awkward touring time for us. I, I went once a few years ago with um, my mate Gordon, which I don't think you know Gordon. But, um, yeah, it was it was great. And it's just it get, it's really noisy. And then you have a few minutes of, of quiet time. Well, you do your business. Te technically yeah technically it's 15 minutes of noisy so the start of the hour to the quarter past of the hour is the noisy period and then technically the next 45 minutes of quiet time but, ah. um, it's a drum show it's a drum show it's never going to be quiet is it no exactly but yeah you're right you do get to meet you get to see most of the brands will be there um the staff from those brands will be there often they'll bring in so from from our point of view for example christian from Peisty, who's the who's the head of A&R for most of the world apart from the US. Um, Christian's been over a few times and just hung out on the stand. Or Rito, who's their marketing guy, has been over and just hung out on the stand. We've had the team from Taiwan, from Apex, to come over a couple of times. So you get to, you know, you get, and you'll get to meet the drummers just wandering around as well. That's the, it's kind of cool people watching when you, you know, stand on a stand and you can see someone kind of walk past and we just like, was that because you you know the drummers that generally will perform there they don't generally turn up do their one hour set and then disappear they'll hang around in the hall and just go and see stuff because they want to see it too 
Yeah, we're all drum nerds. Yeah. Exactly, we're all drum well, nerds. Yeah, you can, and you can get up close and you know touch the stone, touch the yeah. gear. Yeah, uh, we'll see what my schedule's like next year, and I'd love to, I'd love to come again. So uh, we'll see. Uh, well, there's a space on the guest list if you need it. Oh, I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. So um, like I get a lot of a lot of people specifically message me about this. Um, like lots of drummers I've met over the years and played with endorsements, which you obviously do deal with. That um, word. Th that word. <laughs> but like, if you look, what do you look for when like, when you're signing a new artist or considering a new artist and how, how has it changed in, in the last 10 years or so with like social, with social media must be a big part of it now with, in terms of reach. It's not just about what gigs you're playing anymore whereas or how many records you sell yeah. which i think it used to be more about that kind of stuff right you, yeah that's that's exactly it that you know 10 15 years ago maybe 20 years ago you would want to look at it's it's about the reach or the connections that that particular artist has so when there was no social media then actually how would you gauge it you, you what it would be album sales it would be uh you know recordings it would be concerts it would be venues it would be touring it'd be that stuff nowadays that stuff's still vitally important that I mean, that's the main aim but actually that word reach that 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 connection thing as i said way back there where everybody's got a connection with somebody you know from us and you, you know the guy from zildjian or you know the guy from tama it's the same with drummers actually and i the the most important thing with if you're an artist endorsing a brand because it's it's that way around right yeah um you're you're effectively taking a part-time role in the marketing company uh, in the marketing team of the company that you're endorsing like there's 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 actually not that much onus on a brand as far as an endorsee goes to, to you know there's not that much onus to have to do stuff no for that artist the onus is actually the other way around um yeah and it's exactly that i think it was sarah hagan from zildjian that said that or it was Chris from Aquarian, but that point is is massively valid. You're you're effectively applying for a job, part time yeah. role, in that yeah. marketing team because inevitably, the endorsement you want somebody endorsing your products for the right reasons, but yeah. their influence, their connections, ideally that's going to help sell some products, and a marketing budget for anybody can only exist off the back of a sales performance. So you know the, the ability to push that message of the brand is, is is vitally important yeah so what we would look at actually is how they can spread that message how they can promote that product how they can influence people and it, it it's not always about live performance it might be uh so like martin francis professor of jazz at the, at the Guildhall. he's got an amazing playing career but actually he's professor of jazz at the Guildhall. he's been with peisty a long long time Hmm. but his playing career is is there but that influence of the students that are learning jazz at the Guildhall are hearing his masters or his 602s or that is a different side of it that's nothing to do with touring or or performing um it's true so yeah reach engagement um and what that person can offer uh, uh, yeah what, what can they bring to the brand um that's vitally important and that's one of the main things that we would look for and and you know the other brands are the same that's not unique to to Mapex Spicy or Vic for sure. You want to yeah. help sell products. Yeah, exactly. So you've got to be confident that you can, for someone who wants to, you know, apply. You know, I, I do get a lot of people asking me. I, I was lucky. Well, I, I've had connections which have helped me, 
meet people from yeah. some of the brands that I use. Some of them were just organic. Um, but yeah, a lot of people say, oh, put me in touch with this guy. I'm like, it doesn't really work. It doesn't really work. I've got to ask them, am I allowed to put, put you in touch first? And then, you know, I can't, that's all I can do really. Uh, and I can, I can put, yeah. put a good word in for you. I can say, you know, you're a great player and you do lots of stuff online or whatever, but that's literally all I can do. Um, and I understand that I'm, you know, especially all the, the, the brands that I play, uh, maybe the stick brand are a bit more niche. I use uh, Vincent sticks, but yep. with, with Sona and Paiste, I know I'm a very small, I, I look in terms of the reach I can offer is very small compared to, a lot of their bigger artists. So I don't know. I don't really like, I don't really um, like being in that position too much. Um, or I don't feel like I, yeah, I can really advise I that see, well. <laughs> no, you see, you're putting yourself down a bit, I think. Because really? I do see, I see your social posts. Well, yeah, I see your okay. social posts and you, you do, I try. you do that side of it. <laughs> yeah, but you do. Yeah. But actually, you've got a wealth of knowledge just because of the career that you've taken. You've been a player for, however long you've been doing it, you've been touring, you've been, you've recorded, you've played in some massive venues, your voice is important. So for someone to ask you advice, yeah, that's pretty cool. You is, can't yeah. influence, you, you couldn't phone me and make me sign somebody. No. But you know, you know what goes into it because you've done it. So therefore, if there was somebody that you knew that was a really good player and you knew they were good and you knew they could do that stuff and you phoned me and said, hey, this guy, that recommendation is gold okay they might not have already asked. so th there is an important side of it there and that's why again those connections are important um who you know who knows you they all have a meaning somewhere along the way um and they might lead to nothing they might lead to a gig they might lead to a session they might lead to a massive gig jo uh, i'll use josh's josh uh, divine the one direction tour um to talk of connections basically josh he was uh, he entered a competition in 2008 that Mapex ran called the Drummer of Tomorrow. And he won that competition for the UK side of it. So he won a year's free endorsement. Oh, but there wow. was something about, you know, when we saw him playing then, he was quite, he was still at school. And you could tell he was just like, he was a great, great drummer. He was grounded. His dad had a history of having been in a signed band as a vocalist um, and just did another album, actually. But so his, like, his whole background was like, this kid, he's surely he's got to do something. Um, he ended up, he had the Skepta gig for a while. He played, there was another grime artist. I've instantly forgotten who it was, but he had a friend on Facebook that was a fixer, just a guy that he'd, made, he'd met somewhere maybe, or just knew that guy. And that guy happens to be the guy that got the phone call when the band that became One Direction, they won, was it The Voice? I, I should know. Uh, but they, they won that yeah. competition. X Factor. X Factor. X Factor. Probably. Sorry, yeah. That one. So at that point, somebody decides they need they're going to do a tv show so they're going to it was red or black it was an ant or deck game show so somebody got a phone call saying we need it was a drummer and a guitarist i think we need someone available thursday they've got to be young they've got to be reasonably good looking but they've got to be reliable and turn up and play to a click and that guy was friends with josh on facebook and he just remembered the face and just thought oh, that guy maybe he's available so josh got a call from that guy just because of a facebook connection wow. literally because of that and for one show it was literally and he he was doing the skeptic gig he played at wembley on the capital fm gig and he's like oh whatever i'll just yeah i'm available thursday i'll turn up wow he turned up he mimed a track he did it well and he went home and he got paid and a week later they got another tv show so because he'd done it the first time he got the call back 
So by the time that band became, this is going to be a band now, we're going to audition it, that one connection from Facebook had already kind of helped him in somehow. Yeah. He auditioned it and he got the gig and then suddenly, you know, it became the biggest tour in the world. So th those connections are really, really important, whether it's your drum teacher, your music teacher, your tour manager, mm. just, you know, getting to know people and, and what have you, that's, that's, that's vitally important. Yeah. And yeah, absolutely. And yeah, it's interesting to know, like how you, how you put that then someone that I recommend is better than someone, I guess if someone contacted you randomly, found your email online and they just, you know, even though it was a really nice email, that would, it wouldn't stand out to you as much as if one of your artists had recommended them. Um, and oh, it's just, it's yeah. Okay. That's interesting to know. That's not uh, to say that everyone that's watching this or listening to this should instantly phone Dane. No. Um, <laughs> God's good. But what, no, I, I, <laughs> yeah. But what I'm saying is from, from someone who, who does it already and, you know, they're already an artist on one of the rosters that we, that I look after. Yeah. For one of them to recommend somebody, then they know what, you know, you know what's involved. So you wouldn't recommend me somebody that you knew wouldn't be good enough or wouldn't, you know, wouldn't do it. So actually, yeah, that's valuable. I was going to say that the other thing I wanted to, just mentioned i have mentioned it in previous episodes it's like you like when there's people who who search for brands they want to endorse just so they can say they were an endorsement rather than play the brands that they want to play and i think you've, yeah. it's really important to find out what you want to play first and what you like and even if you have to wait 10 years of your career to get involved with that company it, it's better to say when you get eventually get to the stage in your career where you think you might be able to approach someone like Paisley, um, mm -hmm. and say, well, I've been playing Paisley for 10 years. I use this, this, and this. It's better than I currently use Zildjian, but I really like Paisley. Yeah. Um, can yeah, I get no, an you... endorsement, please? Because Zildjian didn't, wouldn't do me a deal. It's, <laughs> oh, a... <laughs> it's a massively valid point. And yeah, no, you are, you are exactly right. I think, the reason you, from a brand perspective, you want someone who, if you're, if you're giving an endorsement is you're giving your, you're giving your personal trust to that product and you're telling people like, this is the best product for me. This is my yeah. sound. This is what I want to play. You're yeah. talking about it. You're, you know, that's the reason why you do it. Um, and we, that's, that's what we want in someone who wants to endorse the brand. Exactly. And yeah. if, and, and it, it happens, it happens more often than you probably think it does exactly what you just said, like, Oh, you know, I've been playing this band for years, but I kind of like yours. Can I, or they said no. So can, and that's the wrong, it's the wrong reason. You need to be looking mm. for the right reason. And it's like a hundred percent of the time it's that you're already playing the brand, whatever yeah. that brand may be. Don't, don't be that guy where, again, and, and social media opens you up to it in a, in a way that I can, someone, if someone does the research and the email comes in through the correct channel, I can see their Facebook page straight away. And you, yeah. you know, anyone would, an employer would, maybe just have a little look at their Facebook page and let's see what we can find. And they've sent me a really nice email that says they're a massive fan of this brand. And then you go to their Facebook profile and every picture of them is playing a different brand. Well, if it was yeah. one, then maybe it was a fly-in date and a backline sort, you know, but yeah. don't be that guy. I think it's important to do your research. Um, but the most important thing is because it's the brand that you want to play be yeah. in it for the right reason. And equally, if the brand at that point says, at this point, we can't help you. You're not going to walk away and just burn your drum kit because the brand said no. no. You remain, you know, that conviction should stay there. Um, but it happens a lot. 
it does happen a lot. I had one, I had one last week where it literally just said, how do I get an endorsement? That's all it said was, hi, how do I get an endorsement? Thanks. And there's several ways I can look at that, can reply like the correct way to apply. There's several replies I had in my head where I just thought, uh, but you've emailed the Korg info line. So mm-hmm. what do you want? Is it Korg or is it Takamini? Is it maybe? So that guy had done no research at all. No, and you no. can tell from that that he'd done no research. But the chances are he sent that to every info at address he can possibly find. Um, yeah. There has to be some conviction in and you have to have a really hard long assessment of your own personal career at that point with a view to okay i need to sell myself i need to convince that brand that i will be good to endorse their brand i can do this um and a lot of people don't we do we get and i know the other brands do too you get a lot of that just how do i get an endorsement or yeah or you know you'll go back to them with some information and they come back and they just you, they've instantly just assumed you're going to give them a load of stuff for free and yeah. the second they realize you're not they just disappear but yeah. that's fine and you yeah. don't want that person no you don't exactly you don't want that and i i don't get anything free and i, I never really expect that um but some people assume that i get all my stuff for free i'm like no i i still still pay for it i'm willing to pay for it i pay a little bit less than what you might in the local shop um and that's but that's one of the benefits that i get from trying to promote the products myself um and, and that's, yeah. that's the true, I mean, the true I said thing. A little, yeah i said a little bit way back there about the, there's no actual onus on the brands to do anything for the artist because the artist is endorsing the brand but actually that's that's not strictly true because you're right in the what happens with an endorsement really the main reality is it, it's access to the products directly from the brand or the distributor at a reduced price. That's yeah. that's probably the reality of it nine times out of 10. Yeah. And then it's the ability to, you know, all right, you're going to help market our brand because you're going to push our products, but we can, we can and will do the same for you. You know, every time I post a video from Adam Breeze or Charlie Kenny or Jack Wrench or Craig, or, they're always going to be tagged in it. And, you know, yeah. for someone like Adam, for example his career is doing this really really nicely yeah but our facebook page will give you know it's going to reach a different audience that maybe his doesn't so when i said there was no onus on us as a brand then that's not strictly true but there's a lot of stuff we can do for help and it will be and the same with the other brands you know with the, with a the, with the discounted access to the products um social media coverage marketing but also things like tour support you mentioned that there you know with peisty if you're if you're, you know, you're in Germany next week for a three-week run or whatever, then with enough planning, there's backline in Germany. And as an artist, you have access. That's you would have access to things like that. So, yeah. you know, on that kind of level, then, yeah, there are some, of course, some, some good advantages. Yeah, uh, It's not just about, you know, right, you endorse our brand now, so please post some photos and we'll speak to you in a year. That's that's not what it's about. No, no. No, and it's been, and it's been great. And, like, you, you specifically it's been really helpful with, to me over the years. So I want to take this opportunity to thank you. Uh, you put up with a lot of yeah, thank you. emails and we've had some nice phone calls and it's, it's great. And it's nice to have that yeah. connection. And we it's can, not, you're not just a name. We can and talk email. about cats and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. No, there is, there's, you know, there is the reality is everybody, you know, we all have a social life. We all have a personal yeah. life. And that thing you said about your, you know, your phone, you have to use your phone for the socials and, and you know, you're never going to switch it off. That That's the reality of kind of the marketing in, in any role, I think, whether mm. it's this industry or not, is that it, that that side of it doesn't switch off. Like even, you know, we were on holiday. Um, 
I'm still slyly looking at my emails every now and again. And every time I'd look into my personal Facebook page, it's only one tab at the top, right? And you can see the Mayfair. And so, you know, yeah, you do. There, there, there is a, you want to sometimes give... that's frustrating. Yeah. But you it's want your to... choice. Yeah, it's, yeah. My... it's your choice to do it, but it's... It's my choice. But it'll say, you want to get rid of the notifications, don't you? You want to kind of get rid of them. Yeah. And it's, it's and I they know that's what's addictive about it. And yeah, it must be it hard. Is. Though. And it... Yeah. Yeah, the the one it's that responsive thing. There's that responsive badge mm. thing. You get a, you have to answer to the email every email within 15 minutes, and you get that badge at the top of your page that says you're responsive to emails. That's like a badge of honour. Uh, um, and mine and and the my one our one's dropped at the moment because I missed a message yesterday. So that but things like that, and I sit there. You know, I'm not going to beat myself up about it, but personally, I'm thinking, oh, damn it. So well, it's. Uh, if I'd message if I'd message message the brand, I wouldn't personally expect a quick reply at all. So that's really good that you even get close to that. That's, that's good to hear. <laughs> no, I, I honestly wouldn't. Well, not on on social media. Yeah, I'm. It's more active on Facebook, I think, purely because of the way the notifications work. Um, yeah. But again, I have a rule with holiday. I'll switch my email notification off on my phone, so okay. at least they're not pinging up. I will look myself. But, yeah. Uh, you got yeah. to gotta look after your mental health because that's that's the kind of stuff that can ruin it. <laughs> I know from yeah that that pressure and you know I it's it's I was talking to my eldest yesterday so she has some college stuff to do and just hearing her say like oh the pressure of having to do that and when I'm looking at her saying that I'm thinking oh come on I can tell you that's you know let's break it down let's do this let's do this let's do this let's do this. But I never really do that to myself when it comes to my, my social posting or something. I never think, actually, if I just spend two hours tomorrow, I'll get that done. I look, I think and think, oh, I've got to do that now. There's another okay. picture. Quick, post it. Um, trying to beat that American one post a day thing. That's the, that was the that's uh, the rule. I I I look. I, I no no I know I know what you mean, but they do say you got to be the consistency is the key, and that's the thing I struggle with. And like, and especially mm. when I'm when I'm not on tour. And I'm not rehearsing, and I'm not in the studio. Yeah, I, I do get weeks of downtime with regards to my playing. I don't practice enough, which is my my problem. I don't have a, an acoustic kit that I can smash out at home, which I'd love to be able to do. And if I did, yeah. I would probably make more content. But I, I can't really do that with my living situation. But um, there's not a lot of people that can. To be yeah, fair, let's be it's, honest, it's very rare. Yeah. So and so when it comes to consistency on social media, it's like, well, I haven't always got there something to post about and like, i try and do no the podcast thing but like, i don't want to bombard people with the same thing i only you know i do one episode a month so i can't do post post about that 30 30 times a month about the same thing i try and vary it up and no. make cl clips and things like that but i don't know it's hard work and it's, it's hard, hard for it's hard it's for hard musicians work, yeah. out there it's not easy no it's not easy this social media stuff i'm too old for it I'm not, yeah <laughs> you know, i need my daughter to come and give me some input yeah they, they, she the kids it. the kids know how to do it um but yeah i know what you mean um we've almost come to the end now i've got a a question actually from one of my my patreons of the podcast adam thomas who's a great guy yeah. great great drummer he's got a good question how um We've touched on it a bit, but not really. How large of an impact do endorsements or artists have on the overall success of a product or product line compared to traditional marketing and advertising campaigns? That's a very good question. 
and actually yeah. one ironically that we were discussing we, we were talking about this similar a similar thing yesterday you know so we had a marketing just catch up with my boss yesterday where we were looking at uh the run-up to christmas actually that's what we were looking at so actually we have to do a mail out for the drum show team they're, they're doing some sponsored mail outs at the moment for the exhibitors so they're giving us a platform to share stuff so we were going through that stuff and then we started to look at so mars specifically the mars series we need to push that so what content have we got available and that led to into a conversation of actually should we just get some of the uk guys to film some content for us because what we've got is what it is but it's filmed in the us we need some more of it so i think actually the artists right now has a bigger impact with the product purely because the, the the retail situation the stores are struggling so it's it's relatively easy to get a store to promote your product i don't mean that rudely i mean if we're going to launch that new kit we can give you all the marketing materials you need to promote that on your web store or on your website but the only people that are going to see that necessarily are the people that follow the store whereas if the artist produces something we can post that they can post that and hopefully that has a wider reach personally i think the artist has a bigger involvement right now because again what what can we share with a retailer we can share static you know really nice quality shot studio imagery only goes so far whereas mm. if you've got someone like uh let's say charlie kenny for example charlie's done a fair few video content for, a fair few videos for us and every single time where he's done that he's lucky in that he has a very nice access to a very nice studio with cameras but every time we've done that we've sent him a product and that's all we've done or we've sent him a product and said well give us some solo stuff give us some track stuff and the rest is on you and the reason we do that is because then he's not saying he, he he's not guided by us as far as the brand as to what that video should be we know he's a good player we know he can film what we want charlie is for you to just take that product and do don't want to give you the product and say right you're going to do this you're going to do this you're going to do this there is a there is a time when that will happen um but primarily no we prefer them to be organically created because that message then is that person's message not the brand's message yeah so yes i think the artist has a much bigger role now uh, in helping promote and sell it's difficult i suppose to, to to counter that it's difficult to quantify like if 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 we've given 10 dealers for example that asset that image and they all share it on their website and they all sell two or three of that product you can easily say well it's obvious that worked because they sold it that's more difficult to do when it's an artist video yeah because what you want to see is the uptake coming back through the store but no they, they have a massive role the artists you all of you all of you all of the brands artists have a massive role in helping promote that product and and their reach is different to our reach somebody might not want to follow mapex but they love following craig blandell or yeah. they might not want to follow peisty but they want to follow you so it's another it's another channel to 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 what am i trying to say to push a message basically yeah um totally. so yeah no the artists are vitally important in, in what we do and we we're constantly like the, the content we share generally actually is a very good mix of brand produced static imagery artist produced video artist shot stuff on the road it's a it's a nice mix of it and i think that message is important that it's not just sponsored ads from us all the time there's there's varied content from from people out there using it yeah um 
that's the whole point of an endorsement. I think it's the full circle to that. You're helping market the product. Yeah. Um, and that's why those connections are important. That person's reach is important because who are they going to tell? How are they going to, how are they going to do it? It might be the teacher. It might be yourself on a live tour with your vi- or a video at home, whatever it's, it's vitally important. So yeah. hopefully that answers your question. That's a really, really good answer. So yeah. Thanks again, Adam, for the question. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Adam. that was a good one. You almost made, I had to think for a second there to structure <laughs> that one. Yeah. I, I guess one thing that we we've not mentioned that, does it does it really exist? Is the print based marketing that the, I know I know modern drummer still exists. I think to some extent. Um, I don't think there's any. Um, so. Yeah, there's, there's no print, other no other ones. No. Is it? And that that used to be no, a big thing. Well, yeah, because again, back you know, if we go back ten years and we've got or five years maybe we've got an advert to place. Well, you would have had the social media, but you'd have had drummer. Mag- magazine you'd have had rhythm magazine um with those print things they are the only print ones that we have and they've they've gone so actually yeah. route to market now beyond your own uh social pages it, you can count it on one hand it's uh drummers review obviously is, is one of the bigger ones so the team behind the uk drum show also run drummers review so you've got the website uh, sorry the um the youtube channel doing regular reviews those guys are great yeah. they have a they have a uh, an email version of that as well there's a regular newsletter that they do to the trade. They've got that. So that, that route is really good. Um, the Mike Dolbear website still exists. So oh, yeah. there's another potential route there, but that that's almost it really like guys like yourself popping up with the independent podcast is, is another, another way to do it. But, uh, you know, outside of that, no, it's our own social um, output and relying on the stores to post the pictures and stuff. Yeah. I guess I guess some of the stores do their own, like a lot of stores do their own video reviews of a product as well, yeah. um, which it obviously helps the awareness of the store as well when when they've got a, you know a YouTube channel full of them. But that's really good. So I use those a lot if I want to hear the sound of a symbol. I'll, I'll I'll just find myself on some American pages, American stores oh, website. website. But it's, yeah, and 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 you know we do the same thing. Yeah, like it, sometimes doesn't happen often but sometimes i'm trying to think of an example but say a, a brand will produce a, a video to, to talk about a product or they'll produce a you know that there you go there's your video and then you'll see somebody from uh one of the sometimes the american the bigger music stores who've produced just a kit in their studio and actually maybe that's got a better message because it's not branded again it's all yeah. about the t- you can hear the drums you can hear the um it's it's a fine line between the you know the the properly branded Hmm. scripted content with you know nice graphics on the screen and stuff sometimes people don't want to see that they want to hear the drums right so some of some of the videos we looked at yesterday were were for the mars series you know we've got three four five performance videos but actually that one there doesn't the guy's not playing the toms in it it's a really nice groove it's a great video but you can't hear the toms that's why Hmm. we ended up with the we should get some of the uk guys to just you know, there's there's a couple we've got in mind to just let's just send them a couple of kits and ask them to film something. Yeah, well, I'm sure they'd be honoured to be included in in the marketing side of things as well. So that's really cool. So I'm sure they they, they, they love. We're them. quite yeah, we're you quite lucky really actually well. with Mapex. Yeah, yeah. we we're quite lucky with Mapex in that there's there's certainly four if not five of the main the, the UK artists that have the ability to record and film at home. Um, just by luck really but then yeah. you know we do we you know those guys 
Andrew Scott or Adam Breeze or Craig Landell or Jack, uh, Jack Wrench, uh, Charlie Kenny. Those, there's five there and they've all got really nice home studios. So actually we are slightly lucky in that yeah. I can send Charlie a kit and he'll do a great video and he can That's play awesome. it very well. They, they're all great players. So, you know. Yeah. Well, I, I'm more familiar with Adams. Like, like it's, he's so good at the online stuff. He's amazing. So he must be a really good asset as well. Um, because he, he's just pushing his products all the he's, time, every day. If he's on tour at home, he's brilliant. And his yeah. play, his playing's fantastic. He, you know, he looks great. Yeah. Um, very cool guy. I, I, <laughs> I spoke to him just before I jumped on here, actually. Ah. But, you know, Adam, I mean, yeah, he's, you know, there's, there's, there's a good example and, you know, not taking any, anything away from the other uh, artists on the brand, but it's just a good example of his, his passion and his dedication to what he does has never stopped. No. Even when, you know, he's been through the ups and downs of the bands and this, this working and that not working. And I'm sure he won't mind me telling you when we, when we, when I first started working with Adam, um, he was still working. He had a, he had a full-time job. He was, he was working at a cinema. Um, and I remember him coming into Korg one day, he was, you know, he was quite young. He was fairly young and he was almost a little naive and he'd done some reasonable shows, but suddenly he's, I've got this, I've got this gig and I think it's going to be big. It's going to be quite big. And then maybe a week or so later he came in and he was genuinely like, there was something bothering him and it took a little while. And he said, I have to make a decision. Like, do I leave my job? Because we're going on tour and he genuinely like I, I I've got the tour on the one hand and I've got my job on the other and I've got a secure income here but not and he took the plunge but the passion was there from then um and he's never stopped even when he's not touring like he's just done a couple of shows at the weekend they're heading into Europe with Wargasm next week or the week after with Enter Shikari nice and I spoke to him today and was like what are you doing he's like just playing just messing around in the studio he was just sitting in his studio he'd unpacked his gear again set it back up and he's just sitting playing he, so his 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 passion yeah has never gone away um no and that that drive is inspiring i've said that to him before like from a nearly 50 year old you know but to see someone like no i'm gonna do this and i and, and almost i don't care i'm gonna do this yeah. and he's taken some part-time jobs he still has some part-time stuff goes on in the background when he's not out playing he was one minute he was working in a cinema and the next minute he was out supporting kiss yeah um and then you know to come back down from that again and build himself back to another gig and and you know it, it yeah he's he's i like spending time with adam he's like um he's like a, a little puppy it's in a, i mean that in a nice way like he's just constantly thinking about his playing or his sound or his next lick or how to make the cameras look better it just yeah the passion is uh yeah passion never changes with him yeah, yeah I, he I deserves it he's, you know he does and I, 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 he deserves a lot more than you know he's in a successful band now but you know i'm sure i hope he becomes one of those really well really famous rock drummers he deserves to be he's um and like you said the drive is the drive is insane it, it pushed me to shame I must say, <laughs> he's just constantly, yeah, he's, he's constantly well, improving, constantly playing. And this is, he wants, he obviously, he must spend so much time making the content that he doesn't have to. He could make half as much content mm. and it'd still no. appear busy. And, but yeah, still be good. Yeah, he smashes it out. Well done. He's great. But yeah, there's an episode with Adam. If yeah, anyone wants to check it out. Yeah. Anyone's listened to this? Yes, is there that? is. That was a really good interview as well. And he, it's it's funny hearing him, um, like that 
I, I don't know maybe what maybe I don't know what I'm trying to say. It was just it was really nice to hear him. Like that was him. I say yeah. that now. That was definitely him. That wasn't that wasn't Adam kind of putting on a podcast face. That was Adam. That was exactly that's exactly what he's like um, yeah. all of the time. So yeah, uh, yeah. No, we, we he's, he's a good lad. Good lad. Yeah. Check out Wargasm. Uh, this is the band check he's out currently Wargasm, playing check with. Check out Adam. Yeah, because he, he he wasn't yeah, in that I'm, band you know, when I interviewed him. Um, he was still kind of doing the Raven Eye thing, uh, yeah. which is yeah, still with Raven Eye. Sadly, no longer. I think I'm not sure. Don't don't quote me on that. I don't think so. No. <laughs> yeah, don't quote me on that either. <laughs> Just in case. Yeah, but um, but yeah, no, I guess my point, you know, he he was the little kid, kind of all my. I don't mean that in rudely. He was the younger guy, and when he first started working with him, it was for Pisces. It wasn't. He wasn't Mapex um, or Vic at that point. Um, and we kind of developed, or I developed that relationship with him to a point where I could see he was getting to a point, a point where the brands needed to be interested in him. Yeah. Um, and what you said there about him being, you know, hopefully he'll be the next big rock drummer. We were, we were looking at that, you know, five years ago, probably thinking, stop playing the brand you're playing and play ours. Play ours. But equally, mm. the three brands I look after are very different brands and we've never or I've never been the kind of like, okay, you're playing Peisty now, Dane. So I want you, you know, you're going to have to play Mapex and Vic for that to work. It doesn't yeah. work that way. They're, they're, they're separate brands. So yeah. with him, I always figured, well, we've got him with Peisty. So that's good. And I would like him with Mapex, but he has a, he has an association with another brand and, you know, I'll keep gently. He knows the offers there. It was kind of that, but he wasn't ready to make the move. And, you know, hopefully he does become, the next guy i hope all of our artists you included yeah. become oh, you know, what, the that's what you want is the artist profile to to just elevate yeah keep growing yeah. and um well I, I hope you don't mind me asking this because one one thing that it's the opposite of what we've just talked about when when one of your mm -hmm. artists decides to leave one of the brands and go with someone else like is it a particular way or well, I guess you just deal with it and go, oh, sorry to hear that. Good luck or whatever. But is that something that happens often? How do you kind of go about that? Do you look to replace them with someone else to fill that gap when 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 they leave? Um, no. I mean, touch wood, it, it doesn't happen that often. Um, no. Drummers are generally quite loyal people. And you'll generally find you know, there's, there's those horrible forums and you'll see, you know, somebody will go, Oh, so-and-so just left. And within, you know, five minutes, you've got 10 different people's opinions as to what happened. And they're never normally ever going to be the real reason as to why. Yeah. Um, it does happen. And I'd, I'd lie if I said it didn't. And sometimes it really pisses me off. <laughs> of course it does. Yeah. But that's probably partly because I take it. I take my job quite personally, as far as the relationship with my endorsee or with the endorsees goes. Yeah. I don't see any of them as being any, you know, there's, there's no particular hierarchy, like just cause that guy's on a better gig. I'm going to talk to him more than I'm going to talk to that guy. I'll talk to anybody um, nine yeah. times out of 10. Um, but when it happens, yeah, you just have to deal with it. You just have to hope that it didn't happen because you fucked up yourself. Sorry. Yeah. It, no, it, it, you can swear. Hopefully, right. you know, hopefully, you know, you don't want that guy to be leaving because you pissed him off or you did something wrong or you dropped a ball. I, yeah, that, that would be the worst thing. Um, often when someone switches a brand, it's because of a connection. It comes back to that again. It's because of a connection in the background. Um, and maybe like us as a distributor, we have Mapex, we have Pisces, we have Vic. 
So there's three brands that, you know, there's three things you're going to use on a tour. You've got your drums, your cymbals and your sticks. Yeah. So if you come in to, 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 to look at one brand, then from an artist's point of view, actually, sometimes it, it, it almost makes sense to, if, if, if the, you know, if it fits, definitely, I can yeah. just get my drums and my cymbals and my sticks in one phone call, it, you know, and a lot of times when people switch, um, that's the reason why it's something in the background with the distributor, or maybe that brand owns another brand. Yeah. And because of that association, they're kind of, there's a draw there. Um, and yeah, you have to deal with it on a case by case basis. It's, it's never nice when somebody leaves a brand. Um, mm. I don't honestly think there's ever been one where there's been animosity involved and I've not been able to speak to that person afterwards. I oh, don't good. think so. Good. I would, good. I would hope not. Yeah. No, yeah. quite personable. I like, you know, and yeah, I think yeah. that's secretly why it's difficult when somebody does, because, you know, I'm generally friends with most of the people I deal with. Um, yeah. and we will have personal conversations like that and talk about, I don't know, talk about the cats or talk about fishing or talk about the, you know, Adam doing wildlife surveys, because that's some of the things that he did, but yeah. that's what I mean. The relationship isn't just a hi, I want this. Okay. It's that much. Thanks. Cheers. Bye. It's, yeah. There's always, there's always more to it. Um, so yeah, it's awkward, um, but it, it does happen and hopefully it doesn't happen for the wrong reasons. No, exactly. Okay. That's interesting, interesting to know. Thanks for ans answering. Cause I know that's a bit of a, it can be a touchy, okay. touchy subject, I guess. Um, but look, before we yeah. finish, then we've got guess, yeah. my quick fire round, just so people can get to know Excellent. you a little bit more. Um, this is dangerous. What's your favorite food? Chinese. Favorite Didn't movie? I have to think about that. <laughs> uh, oh, uh, uh, Cannonball Run or Caddyshack or The Abyss or Aliens. There's a, there's a few off the top of my head. Okay. Uh, guitar or bass? Bass. I'd Great love that. to play bass. I love. I tried to play guitar and and the uh, arthritic finger thing. Mm. Just they just don't work on a fret. Mm. on a guitar, so maybe a bass would be good. But yeah, bass. Give it a go. Give it a go. Uh, nylon or wood tip? Yeah. Oh, wood. Wood. Absolutely. There is. Uh, I. I can't think of that many of I don't, I don't know whether I should say it. the amount of artists that I look after in the UK that play a nylon stick nylon tipped stick uh, there's 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 going to be less than 10 across the entire Vic roster I don't think I'd be wrong in saying that no I don't and the ones that do generally will be someone um I'm not going to attempt to someone like, a, like one of the hardcore session guys someone like Ralph Salmons or Martin France or those guys where they're going to get on a session where that ride symbol they're going to use is going to be a nylon tip because that works. And you can obviously hear the yeah. differences. I've had it with guys testing symbols. Um, but yeah, definitely a wood tip. No. Sorry, Vic. No, I, 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 I think I can't remember who it was. I think I've had one guest that said nylon. I would like 40 odd guests. I, yeah. yeah, I would say with a nylon tip, you tend to get more brightness from the symbol. That's, that's generally where yeah. it goes. You get a different attack for sure, but actually you could look at a round tip, a round wooden tip, and it will bring out a lot more brightness on your symbols mm. and give you more thwack on your drum. But yeah, wood tip, long answer. Yeah. Good, good, good. Uh, John Bonham or Neil Peart? No, Neil Peart, because I was brought up listening to Rush. Permanent Waves is one of those albums from my childhood of, 
that and my dad didn't really listen to much zeppelin sorry dad but he didn't well okay so, yeah. Yeah, I, I thought yeah. you were going to say that judging from your musical taste when you were young um beatles yeah. or rolling stones beatles again he played more beatles than he did stones um, yeah. not to that. knock what the stones have done because actually actually no i'm going to change that i'm going to say stones okay sorry no worries because Good. if i was going to sit and listen to either of the two now i would choose the Stones. okay cool uh well i I, I always ask this big or small venue so that can be as as a player or as an audience member what do you think what do you prefer small venue because i like i like the kind of intimacy like somewhere like the stables in milton Keynes, which is a i think it's 300 max somewhere like that you're closer to the band i like being able to see what's going on um having said that i've been to some wonderful stadium gigs along the way but yeah small venue cool, cool. yeah okay um favorite time signature seven seven cool oh no nine nine because cool. of that spin, yeah because of this but only because of the um the spin doctors track on pocket full of crypts tonight i'm trying to think the drum intro part of that is like that marching part and the intro's in nine ah, cool. and my drum teacher made me learn that and i hated him for it for so long because i just couldn't work it out so yeah i'm gonna say nine okay there's a reason he made you do that um favorite rhythm section yeah so probably because it's hard so yeah so fa favorite rhythm section so bassist and drummer Ooh. in the same band Toto. fair play <laughs> good good answer I, Nate, Nate. yeah i'm i'm gonna yeah Toto. sorry it, it was going funny then um name an underrated band oh no um <laughs> Is there, is there anyone you work with and that's in a band that needs a bit more recognition or anything like that? Anyone you've seen live? Uh, I'm going to say Wargasm. Yeah. Is that underrated though? Maybe not. Well, I, I, depends. What, can... what took me by surprise, yeah, what took me by surprise with that was I, not, not took me by surprise, I'd never heard of them until Adam got the gig um, and then suddenly now I, they're I, doing some massive things yeah they are yeah they are yeah I, i'd already heard really of them bad answer i'm sorry no 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 that's I fine i can't think of another one that i'd say yeah there's going to be people on people listening to this that maybe don't know who they are yet so they can check them out yeah there's probably also people screaming at the screen now going why didn't you say so and so ah, it doesn't matter it's all good it's, it's your answer it's up to you uh what favorite album of all time? Oh, um, Paul Simon. Um, oh, that's tough. That's really tough. It's either the Some Folks Lives album that's got um, Some Folks Lives Roll Easy on it, and uh, that for Simon or David Bowie Hunky Dory. Oh, cool. Two cool yeah just have to hunky doors yeah hunky door just two, two particular albums from my childhood that i well, actually know i discovered later on in life i was probably 18 or 19 or wasn't that wow. later on in life but you know where one of my friends went what do you mean you've never heard that and i kind of laughed went with david bowie i know what david bowie is 
no hunky dory it's there amazing i don't even think i've listened to that in its entirety so i'll i'll do that on your record uh it's got recommendation yeah, it has it has it has kooks on it it's many there's some great tracks on it. it's got life on mars on it for a start but it's yeah. got kooks on it so that was yeah that i probably one. heard a lot of tracks from me but i've never listened to it in full ah cool um and last one favorite drummer of all time <laughs> um I don't think that's a fair question. I would have to say probably Greg Bissonnette then, actually. Yeah. Yeah, just purely because of that, you know, that 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 I've 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 toured with him. I've I've been out with uh clinic events with him probably four, five, six times. We spent a lot of time together and he was that first kind of childhood idol of wow. So yeah, yeah Greg, sorry, cool. sorry Thanks. to everyone else. <laughs> I know. It must be hard because you've got relationships with so that's many. That's a really drummers. tough question. Yeah, I know so many of them. As yeah, yeah same as yourself yeah yeah good and then the very last question to end the show everyone has to answer this if you could start your own dream band with yourself on drums uh dead or alive who would the other musicians be who would you have in your band with you oh my gosh um <laughs> bass would be pino paladino probably or nathan up. east that's a Ooh. yeah it's going to be pino or nathan nathan east because you know uh, pino comes up a play. lot um yeah. yeah of course he does yeah <laughs> do you know i only noticed yeah yesterday this is sad um we were listening radio 2 we weren't listening but chris uh, the lady in red came on all right and we got it on in the kitchen so in our kitchen we have a pair of no, half decent speakers and there was a point in that track where i thought that sounds like sounds like that Paul Young track and my other half said exactly the same thing I went that sounds like the same I wonder if that's it's Pino Palladino on that I didn't know that until yesterday I did I didn't know that either to be honest random yeah no I literally we were in the kitchen cooking dinner and I went is that because he's got that slightest that sliding fretless bass sound in the middle lady in red and I thought that sounds like wherever I lay my hat and I googled it and it's Pino Uh, yeah so I don't yeah Pino for bass or or Nathan East Keys Jordan Rudess probably or rick waitman maybe rick Ooh. one of those two yeah 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 rick's rick's funny as hell and jordan rudess i met him once um he's just a different level of musician actually jordan um there's a lovely story about him where he i think he was a kid and they took his parents took him to a piano lesson at maybe four years old he was young wow and after the lesson the piano tutor said something along the lines of it's nice to see such a young student who obviously has obviously been playing piano for a while. And his parents said that was, he's never ever played piano ever. Um, <laughs> there's an awesome video of him. He did for core. He's a Korg endorsee. Um, ah. And we have, there's a Korg mini piano that we do. That's maybe it's a tiny little toy piano. It's called. Um, and the U S team asked him if he'd do some videos with that. And there's one, he's sitting in the back of his car. He has, a, I think it's a Volvo estate. And he opened the boot up and he sat cross-legged in the back, dressed as a wizard, playing two little mini keyboards. <laughs> um, so yeah, Jordan, <laughs> Jordan or Rick Wakeman. Um, and guitar, I'm, I don't know. Probably David Lee Roth. Let's say David Lee Roth. Does he even play no. guitar? No, he doesn't, does he? He's the singer. He's the singer. I'm trying to think of... I've ruined it now, haven't I? <laughs> Sammy Hagar. Well, I don't know. The good. The, I, I don't know with guitarists. I'm not no, a big guitar. Not into, um, no. Okay. Mike, Mike no guitar. Stone, maybe Jeff Beck. 
Jeff oh, Beck, maybe. Jeff Beck. Just because oh. a guitar shop. Just because a guitar shop, maybe. Yeah. Just based on that album. There's so many bloody good guitarists, and I couldn't think of one yeah, off the top is, of my head. It is difficult. Yeah. I, I, saw, I saw Jeff Beck recently. He was incredible. He's still incredible. Jeff, he was amazing. So. I, yeah, I would like to. Again, Guitar Shop was just one of those albums I got given when I was at the drum shop. The guy at the shop gave me that and went, listen to that because it's got Bozio on it. And that was the entire reason I was told to listen to it. <laughs> um, I still listen to that album today. That's oh, still, still pops up every now and again. <laughs> nice. I've embarrassed myself so badly. No, no, it's fine. That's, that's, that's cool. That's a cool band. At least I didn't say Eric Clapton. <laughs> yeah, you're not allowed to say him anymore. <laughs> I don't no. know. I don't know. No. I don't. He's a bit, he's a bit uh, controversial these days. But uh, let's not talk about Eric Clapton. Yeah, no, <laughs> right, but yeah, no, Matt, bass would be difficult. I'd have to. I'd have to have both of them. Have two bass players. Yeah. No, there's no rules. No rules in music. That's cool. That's no amazing. In my group. No, exactly. And we'll just play Queen covers all day. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds fun. Would you, would you have Freddie Mercury on vocals? Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. Yeah. There's no he, one else you would want on vocals, is there? He comes up a lot. He's 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 probably been on at least 10 people's bands since they've started this thing. So We're quite a good. big Queen family as it goes. Yeah. yeah there's, mm. there's, there's often Queen on in this house somewhere. <laughs> nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that at all. Yeah, great. Um, Martin, I've really enjoyed this. I, I know we've had a few technical issues. Um, so sorry about right. that. Um, might have taken a bit longer. Than no, but thought. thank you for asking me to do this. I was... Oh, uh, yeah, as I said to you before we before you click record, I was I was pretty nervous. I do, we you know like a lot of people, Zoom calls a lot or Skype calls or whatever it may be. Um, and I talk to people a lot, but yeah. I was really quite nervous. Like from like yesterday, I was starting to think about it yesterday, thinking, oh, oh sorry, so, sorry, no, to... thank you, thank you for asking me to do it. Uh, uh, no worries, and um, yeah, I, it's just something I think I've always when I made a list of people uh, for the. Sh- that I wanted to approach for the show. I always kind of wanted to approach some of the the A and R guys. I had Thomas Bath, who used to work for Sona on like last year or the year before. Um, I always wanted to approach the you. Sona, yeah, nice yeah. Thomas. Yeah, but he's not he's not there unfo- yeah, anymore. I'm unfortunately, go back and listen to that one. Yeah, he's he's really cool, really cool guy. Um, but yeah, I want to get around everyone, and you know, and I want to speak to some of the guys who run music shops as well, like Dan from Drummers On. I, I definitely approach him. Uh, we know each other really well. It would be awesome. Again, there's a story yeah. of, you know, where did he, as, as you well know, but his history from another store somewhere back in the day there. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it'd be good. It'd be good. It'd be nice to get, you know, I don't know, without suggesting, but guys like um, Pete from Sound Attack, the guys from Sound Attack, just, again, like long-standing retailers. They've been around for such a long time. Um, or Andy at Gateshead, if you could get Andy to come in. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. One. Or Brett, you know. Brett, yeah, no, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I spoke to Brett once. Um, I'll, I'll wrote, when I started the show, I spoke to Brett, and I think he was like a bit, ooh, I don't know, but maybe I can twist his arm because we go back a long time as well. So yeah, um, just to kind of put the spotlight on some of the retailers that are still doing it, that maybe I can be of some benefit to them somehow because um, they can well, all I, sell I, stuff I, online, I you know? Yeah. Yeah, and I I certainly think with with I mean I, I, there's so many retailers I wouldn't want to offend one by not mentioning them, but but guys like Sound Attack or uh, Andy up at Gateshead Newcastle Drum Centre, those guys or Austin down at Absolute that was Paul Percussion. Yeah, you know, they, they say we say about guys that have been in the industry for so long, 
there's retail stores. Sadly, we've not got some of them anymore, but there are retail stores that have been around, you know, that I shopped at Paul Percussion when we were kid, when I was a kid on holiday, like 1980 something. Wow. Austin's still bloody work in there. It's absolute music now, but you know, that's what I mean. There's, there's, there's those guys have, have a good story to tell, I'm sure. And yeah, it'd be nice to get a couple of those in. Definitely. And they can, yeah, they can talk about how it's evolved and all that, like, like you have as well. So yeah, great. Um, I might have to hit you up for some of those contact details if you know of them personally, because I don't really want to go in cold yeah, yeah, man, you're welcome. and stuff. Yeah, so you're welcome to. So it was nice. I appreciate that. And um, no, I well, uh, have a great evening. Um, cool. Thanks again for doing this. Uh, keep up the good work. Thank you. Um, hopefully we'll finally meet in person one day. Um, I do want to come yeah, down. Yeah, that would and, be nice. <laughs> I want to come down and try out some symbols one day um, to add to my ever-expansing collection. <laughs> I don't know. I've got a few. I've got a few. I've got a, I like having options. And sometimes you just want to try new things. And it's the, the sound. Yeah. The sound banks on the Paisley website are amazing. They've really been really accurate whenever I've just yeah. brought some in cold. And I've always been really happy with them. But there's still a few lines I'm curious about. But I think I need to be in a room, really, to make... You need to come down, yeah, come down yeah. to the office. And um, we have a we have a demo room that you'd be not allowed in. We just won't let you in there. Uh, oh, no, you're more than welcome. Come, up, no, come and make some noise and try some, uh, try some bad tea, because I'm not very good at making that. No, that's all right. No, I can I can put up with that. I worked in a music <laughs> shop for seven years. I've had plenty of bad cups of tea. <laughs> no, yeah, I'm sure. Cheers, Martin. I'll let you go. Uh, have a great evening. Thank you. We'll speak soon. Um, I'll try not to email you too much in the future. <laughs> you know where I am. Yeah. All good. Cheers. All right. Well, thank you very much. And uh, yeah, I'll speak to you again soon. Run for the song podcast. Thanks for listening to this episode of Drum for the Song podcast. If you've enjoyed this, please consider liking the video and subscribing if you're watching on YouTube or subscribe and follow wherever you get your podcasts. If you could leave me a review or comment, that would be fantastic too, as it helps other people discover this show. Please also consider sharing this with any family members or friends who might enjoy the content. You can also follow me on social media at Dane underscore drums or at Drum for the Song or search for Drum for the Song on Facebook to follow the page and join the official Facebook group. If you'd like to support the podcast, you could purchase some merchandise from drumforthesong.com or consider supporting me via Patreon from just £3 per month for additional exclusive content like bonus episodes video calls with myself, competitions, discounts, and much more. Any additional support is always greatly appreciated, but I would like to give extra special thanks to my top-tier Groove Master patrons, whose names are listed in the description below. My name is Dane Campbell, and thanks so much for watching or listening this far. If you're a drummer, don't forget to drum for the song! <laughs>